Welcome to Life to the Full, a message to Christians. This is a podcast about the abundant life that God promises in Scripture. We want to inspire those who are frustrated with themselves and their communities to live a transformed life that will impact the world. That's right, honey. Our primary purpose is to be a platform that will impact the world through conversation. We want to invite others to connect and unite in curiosity, vulnerability, and responsibility. A transformed life is about growth, learning, and evolving. A transformed life leads to transformed communities, and transformed communities impact the world. One conversation at a time. Hey guys, welcome back. Jimmy Zito here after a short hiatus, kind of catching my breath here after our epic Summer of Saul, where we did a deep dive into Paul, otherwise known as Rabbi Shaul. If you haven't gone to check that out, please go and check that out. If you're looking to do a deep dive into Apostle Paul, his works, which have been so influential over Christianity, even more influential probably than the Gospels or the rest of the 80% of the Bible that most Christians don't know what to do with being the Old Testament. Today, uh, we have something extra special planned. We are going to be going through uh, the First Principle series. Uh, This is published by my church tradition, uh, the New York City Church of Christ. I'm going to be going through it. Um, it's kind of like an amalgamation of a whole bunch of other studies that I've seen throughout the years. Uh, my church kind of went through um, a moment of crisis about 17 years ago, 2003-ish, where it kind of rethought, retooled, repurposed some of its ideology, some of its uh, thinking on many things. And this is kind of the result. So we're going to be going through this together. It should be a lot of fun. I'm actually really looking forward to it. If my dog over here won't stop crying, I don't know why she's crying. Why do puppies cry? Just like, oh, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. Whatever. Let's get into it. So let let us take a look at what we're talking about. Now, I got this um, right from my church's website, which is kind of cool. Uh, Let me bring that back. That's kind of cool. That's better. Oh, and that's just that's just that. So then we we could actually go through it and we can talk about it. All right. So I'm gonna go back and I'll, I'll do what I would have done. All right. So here we go. Um, you can get this in printed form. Actually, I'm not. Sh- you can get this in printed form by Illumination Publishers. It's on the back right there. I'll have a link for it in the show notes. Um, it contains uh, a whole bunch of a whole bunch of studies. And the idea would be if you were helping somebody come into the church or if you were helping somebody, I believe they would they would consider it helping someone get saved, right? Become a church member, a disciple, uh, be part of the kingdom. Um, you would take someone through something like this where you would be explaining to them everything that they needed to believe. You'd be explaining what you consider to be the good news uh, and you would go through it. So one of the things I like to do when I always take a look at a book is I kind of just 
kind of just examine it very superficially, take a look at it like a fine bottle of wine or a fine scotch. You can tell a lot about the producers by the way they create their contents. Has there been some thought? Has there been some care that's gone into this? And this is a this is a really cool looking book. You know, it's got some really cool artwork on it. The artwork is not cited, so I don't know who did this, but someone did this, or someone someone you know invested some money in buying some type of stock photo. But this this is really good. This is kind of cool. You know, you have the the city skyline. You really I don't really think you can see it from here. It's got some cool good font. The graphic is really very interesting. It's very it's very appealing. I remember when when I was first when I was first gifted this, I was like, oh wow, this this looks really cool. And then you know I started looking through it. Uh, we always got our table of contents, right? So I will bring up uh, my digital copy for you guys here, so you can follow along with what we're looking at. So let me pull that up so I can get that all together. All right, okay, here we go. Let's see if that changes. Yes, it does. That's so cool. So, all right, where are we? So let's look at this. Now, how do I make it like full page? No, that did not work. Oh, goodness gracious, no. I mean, that's kind of like a little better, right? Let's, let's actually get a page with some stuff on it. Interesting. Cool. I like it. All right. So, yeah, here it is. Here's the first page that we were at, that we were looking at before. It's kind of nifty. New York City Church of Christ, again, my church tradition um, that, you know, I'm coming out of. I still kind of consider myself uh, part of the ICOC, although, you know, in many ways, you know, th there's some things that we don't always necessarily see eye to eye on. And I'm hoping, too, that this will help anyone out there as well that has questions, that, uh, you know, is wondering what it is that I believe, what it is that people around me believe. Uh, do I really believe this? Um, you know, what do I think about this stuff? Are there deeper things here that I can be looking at? Because I think, I think it's important. I think uh, one sign that I believe of a church community's health is that the church is always looking at itself in a critical lens, critical eye, just saying, what, what, what could we be doing better? What could we be more effective at? And, you know, are we really leading our people into maturity? You know, like what it is that, what is it that we teach? Why do we teach it? Is it actually helping? Uh, is it helping people become better students of the Bible? You know, cause I come from a church tradition um, that values, that puts a, a high value on the scriptures. So way back in the day, I grew up Catholic, uh, nothing against Catholics, loved my Catholic upbringing um, to a certain extent. But, you know, in Catholicism, we really weren't people of the book. We were more people of the church. Uh, we read a lot of the Bible. Uh, you got a lot of the Bible into you on, you know, Sundays and other special events where they would read large portions of scripture without really giving much uh, exposition on really what the scriptures meant. You just got like a lot of scripture. Um, I took religious classes really from before I could even remember them uh, from kindergarten all the way to eighth grade. I also went to a Catholic high school. So I got, you know, eight, 10, 12, 12 or 13 years 
of you know Catholic education uh, focused a lot on character building, not so much of necessarily um, verse by verse, but what was in the Bible. I didn't get a lot of scripture verse theology, but I got more of uh, broad strokes. This is what the Bible is saying. This is what God wants. This is what God is trying to communicate. This is what God is trying to speak through his church. This, this is the way we're supposed to all, you know, come together. Um, this church tradition that, that um, you know, coming out of now, the New York State Church of Christ or, you know, ICOC or uh, the International Churches of Christ or, you know, broadly categorized Stone Camp Campbell movement, uh, family of churches, kind of what, what we've become. Uh, just you love that graphic. I think it's like really cool. Um, and so it's a it's a cool name, right? First principles. You feel like you know you're really gonna get uh, a good foundation. These are the things that you need to know first before we move on at all. We need to learn this. So it's it's a good name. It's good branding. But anyway, so getting into it, you know, looking at the book looks pretty. It looks pretty good on the cover. Uh, nice, clear table of contents, you know, introduction, teacher tips. So it's going to give me some tips if I was going to teach this to somebody, well, how to do it, what I should be thinking. Um, and then it gives um, basically the first principle studies. These are the studies that, you know, anyone who is seeking membership into our church uh, would, would need to, to go through and kind of sign on, sign off on like, okay, I agree, I agree, I agree. Uh, to be a part of this church. And um, when I was going through these studies, it, this was this was seen as being like the gospel. This is the gospel. Uh, we're teaching you the good news of Jesus. This is the way that you're going to get to go to heaven. When you die, you're going to stay out of hell. And in the final resurrection, you're going to, you know, you're going to be raised to new life and new creation. That was usually kind of like an afterthought. Like, you know, we, we did talk about it. We, we did acknowledge it. But their main focus was was heaven, like what's going to happen to these people when they die, if you know they're not in Christ, and, and all that all that fun stuff. So looking through it, here are our studies. As you can see, uh, when you're looking through it, some of some of the names, like you have the timeline study, for instance, and there's like seeking God next to it. That's because uh, many people who have been around for a while would not be familiar with the time. With a timeline study, I was not familiar with a timeline study. I'd heard people did that. I had never done that or never been taught to do that. But seeking God, I was very familiar with. Uh, you know, that's that's probably the study as a disciple that you do the most with people, because uh, if you can get someone to come out to an event, if you can get somebody to sit down and agree to what we would call studying the Bible, which is really just going through these studies. It's not really teaching people how to study the Bible necessarily, but you are going through a scripture list or a scripture verse. Um, thing that's kind of been set up and curated for you to look at and do boom, 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 boom. This Bible obviously clearly says X, Y, and Z, but you are being handed something that's very curated. You're not, you're not being taught skills necessarily to actually be able to go into a Bible and to, you know, get, get something out of it, you know, besides the fact of maybe like a basic devotional uh, reading of the scriptures, which I would kind of define as you sit down and you read, you read a passage of scripture and whatever you get out of it is what you is what the spirit is is trying to tell you. Uh, you know, less enthusiastic nowadays about that type of reading of scripture. I do think everyone should learn how to read scriptures intelligently. If you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a disciple of Jesus, 
whatever place in the spectrum that you fall. But anyway, so yeah, if you can get, typically if you got someone out to an event, uh, they agreed, hey, yeah, I would love to study the Bible. Let's do it. You set them up for a time. Seeking God by far was the one that I that I I had the familiar familiarity with doing that the most because that would just be the basic one. It's nice and easy breezy. Uh, it makes people feel like really kind of great after it, uh, kind of jazzed up. Oh wow, you know God has a special plan for me. The Word was another one that that's kind of remained unchanged. Uh, that's another easy one that people that really you know kind of just established the rules of the game or the rules of the talks or the Bible studies, whatever we would call it, that we'd be doing that. Hey, this is the infallible word of God. Uh, if you basically, if you're going to disagree with anything we're about to say, as we go through this, you're not disagreeing with me, uh, person I'm going to be studying with. You're actually disagreeing with, with God, because these are, these are God's words. Uh, discipleship, what that means to be a disciple of Jesus. The, the big point there is kind of making, uh, the case that uh, a Christian, which is only, I guess, mentioned three times in the New Testament, is actually a disciple. Christian equals disciple. Uh, Christian equals disciple equals saved. Uh, and if you want to be saved, you have to be a disciple, which is also a Christian. Can you be a Christian without being a disciple? No, because the word disciple appears you know, over hundreds of times in the New Testament. Uh, the exact number, I believe, will be in here or you know, what they're saying is the exact number. And uh, that should be more um, informative when we go in and we're trying to figure out, okay, what does it actually mean to be a disciple? Hence a Christian, hence saved. Uh, then you have the cross study. So sin, what they're calling here sin, it used to be something that was part of what was called light and darkness. So they had like light and darkness one, light and darkness two. By the time I came around, uh, at least here in Staten Island region of the New York City Church of Christ, we were taught more to do like light and darkness is like one thing, right? So that would be something that you wouldn't, you wouldn't always get to, you didn't do that as much as you did like you're seeking God or your word, right? Or kingdom here, it's called church. I think that's the same study. We'll see when we get into it. Oh no, they have additional studies, the kingdom. So kingdom used to be one that was basic and fundamental, uh, basically, you know, making the case of when the, when the kingdom of God came or the kingdom of heaven, what is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of heaven? That's the church. Um, which church is it? Does it matter uh, what church you go to? Yes, they would say, according to that study. So that used to be fundamental. Fundamental. Now, I guess they just have a church study. So I'm interested to see what's there. And then, so light and darkness, you didn't always get to do every time you sat down with somebody. Uh, not everyone would make it that far. Um, it's a heavy one. Um, as we'll see uh, when we get into it, I, I believe it from my casual looking through of all this, it's been relatively unchanged. Um, but if you got someone to light and darkness um, and it was a good outcome, pretty much they were going to be joining joining the church. They were kind of buying whatever you were you were laying out. They were in full agreement, and you know someone was about to join the church, get baptized, uh, or what they would they would say at that point, getting their sins forgiven entering into the kingdom, uh, they'd, they'd be baptized, baptized for the forgiveness of the sins, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, so that one you, you typically didn't do as often as you would do the other studies with people, because back then, at least, you know, this is going like 20 years ago. Or so this is 2021, right? So I joined this church uh, in 
about 2000s. Um, it's been a while, so my, my memory is a little fuzzy at times when I'm trying to think back too long. But, you know, it was we were much more back then about, OK, we're we are evangelistic church. We, we go out a church that's not growing is dying. We're dead. You know, we're, we're about spreading, uh, spreading this, spreading as much as we can, growing as much as we can, getting as many people into this church. Uh, we thought of it as very life and death. People are dying out there. They're, they're dying. They're going to be doomed to going to hell. Uh, we need to rescue them for that. Um, you know, like whether it be our families, our neighbors, our friends, uh, our closest friends and companions were only supposed to be people in the church. Really weren't supposed to be people outside. Um, you, you could get talked to about that if you know you had friends or family that was you, you were closer with. Um, yeah, so it was it was kind of odd. Um, you know, in, in some ways it felt it felt amazing. You know, especially if you came from a background like I came from, where you didn't really have a deep sense of family. I have a family, um, but you know, through over the years, I didn't necessarily, at least at that point in my life, I didn't feel very connected to them. Uh, I had friends, um, but we were in that, you know, I was in my twenties. So we were at a point where um, we were all like just naturally starting to drift away. Anyway, we, we would going, we were going to different colleges. We were going into different careers. Um, some of us weren't going to college, uh, you know, doing different things, trying to get by. Uh, so there was a natural spreading out anyway. So, you know, the core group of friends that I had about three or four of them, uh, we were very close since we were in like elementary school. Um, we were naturally trying to drift away. So it kind of just fell into it and, uh, you know, really felt like, wow, these people are, uh, I've never been closer to anyone like this in my life. These people are my family, um, and, and all that stuff. So, so yeah, so that is the first principle studies. Again, there's been some changes that have happened. Um, you know, these changes have kind of happened behind the scenes too. You know, this is not necessarily something that, uh, every member is aware of that, you know, and I think, um, the church today would say more that these, these are guidelines, right? There's the idea that the Bible is very clear. The Bible, uh, has a clear message. Anyone can go in and read it and, uh, on their own parse out the a lot of the things that we're going to be talking about um, and that it's just, it's just easy to see. It's easy to know. Anyone can look at it and just agree with this stuff. They would not agree with my assessment that this is scripture verse theology, right? Where we're kind of just listing everything out. We're arranging things in a certain way. Uh, you know, not to speak for them. They could, anyone from that tradition can feel free to, disagree with me I'd love to sit down and have a talk um, while I do think there is a place for systematic theology especially when you're trying to figure out okay how do I answer modern day problems with a 2000 year old book right um, it's not necessarily always going to speak uh, word for word right in terms of like how you need to use this book how you can apply it to your life you know, so systematic theology is not something that I'm a huge fan of. Um, uh, I'm going to have some classes in it in my seminary study, so I'm looking forward to that. I want I want to really uh, give it give it a go, kind of understand it better than I do now. Right now, 
ask me what's my thoughts on systematic theology. Not a huge fan. I feel like uh, I prefer more of like a whole Bible approach in terms of like what I would broadly classify as biblical theology. I'm be taking a class on that as well in the upcoming uh, in an upcoming semester. Right now I'm in the middle of my Hebrew class, my first Hebrew class, and I'm just like so awesome. I feel like I'm at Hogwarts. Um, I feel very blessed to be in this setting where I'm actually learning the original languages. So uh, yeah, I would say this is a bunch of scripture verse theology like we're leading you through. I, I don't think that that's a position that my church tradition would agree with. I think I would say, no, this is, this is, we're just arranging it for you, but anyone can go through the Bible and come to the same conclusion. Uh, I mean, one huge evidence for this not being true is all the denominations we have. We have, you know, some estimates say 30,000. I'm not sure if that's a, a number that everyone agrees with or necessarily how they came up with that number, but everyone knows there's a lot and we all pretty much believe different things. Um, Broadly speaking, sometimes there's a there's a lot. Sometimes there's a lot. Sometimes there's more than a lot. Sometimes there's hardly anything that we can necessarily agree with in these, you know, our different church denominations. Uh, however, um, you know, it's it's clear that I don't know. I don't think anyone would read this and come to the same conclusions that my church came to. At one time, yes, I, I did believe that, um, and I'm very very grateful for this church tradition. Because, it, you know, they were the first people that I ever met that they really treated their Bibles seriously. They treated it like this was important. They read it seriously. They taught me to appreciate it uh, and just fall in love with God's word. I, I wouldn't be where I am today in seminary if it wasn't for them. Um, you know, I'm in a position now where I want to spend the rest of my life, uh, you know, whatever time I have left learning to read this stuff more, learning how to go deeper into the scriptures and, you know, taking people along that ride for me. That's why I'm, I'm doing this podcast, why I'm doing these series. Uh, but I think this is very, very instructive to go through this. Um, you know, my, my church tradition, International Churches of Christ, kind of broadly speaking, coming out of the Stone Campbell movement, you know, we don't have a creed or a catechism that we could we confess that we subscribe to the creed is kind of just a list of beliefs. It's usually recited at meetings uh, or if it's not recited at meetings, it's posted or, you know, it's on the website. Um, broadly speaking, you can call it a statement of faith. You can even go to my home church's website, the New York state church of Christ. You can go about us and there's, there's our beliefs, right? You know, like I don't necessarily believe in all those things anymore. Um, and I have my reasons and some of them will, will go through and, you know, you're free to agree, disagree with me. Um, if you know me personally, I'd love to sit down and have a cup of coffee. Even if you don't know me personally, give me a call. Let's hang out. Let's talk. Uh, I, I love talking about this stuff. Um, I think it's important. I think there, there needs to be more space made for conversations like this, where we're getting together, uh, and we're treating each other like human beings. You know, if you don't agree with me, uh, that doesn't mean you're the son of Satan, or that doesn't mean that you're someone I have to, I have to guard, guard my flock against, or I have to protect other people from you, uh, or limit your access to people, you know, which has certainly happened to me, and it certainly happened to other people that I, I know, love, and respect. 
Uh, but it, you know, it's a, it's an opportunity for us to create space for each other and to really just, just talk, just talk about this stuff. For me, my journey in uh, questioning some of these studies, right now, like I'm going to give you my brief timeline here. Uh, I went through these study series. Some of it really hit me very hard. Some of it didn't hit me so hard, but I could, I could understand the argument uh, that was being made and the way it was being presented. Um, and yeah, I just, I learned to love the scriptures. I learned to love the Bible. I learned to love everything about just getting into the scriptures. Um, and then, so what it prompted me to do was to seek out more. So I started just, you know, I would listen to every sermon I could find. They, they had a website, I think it was called Disciples Today, which I think it still exists. Went back far enough that there were hundreds, hundreds of sermons from not only people around me, but from people all over the, the country and all over the world from different conferences or they just, there was this huge sermon archive and I would like listen to it like non-stop. This is before there were even really podcasts, right? There were, there weren't any, there weren't podcasts. I think there, there might've been, but they weren't like a thing like they are now, you know, it was just a list with MP3 files on a, on a webpage and I would just go through and I would listen to them over and over and over. And I would listen to them while I was doing dishes. I would listen to them while I was hanging out in my apartment. I would, you know, the ones that really caught my attention, I would take notes on. Many of those notebooks I still have today where I would just go through this stuff. And I just I just wanted more, you know? And I, I wanted to go to seminary. I wanted to go to seminary, which is what I'm doing now, or a, a school. I wanted to go to a Bible college. Uh, and, you know, I was actively discouraged from going because the idea was like, well, you know, like it's, it's really hard to find a good school. Schools don't really teach what, what, what we've taught and what we know. Um, they're going to do a lot of questioning and it's, just, it's not really for everybody. Uh, so we, we often say that there's really no need. Like what you'll get here from our Bible study is going to be, you know, the same level or superior to what you're going to get in a seminary or a divinity school or Bible college. Um, and what you're going to find is you're going to find a lot of people who, you know, they, they might teach the Bible, but they're actually atheists or they're going to question everything that, you know, you've been taught. And so, you know, just don't go. And back then you, you really couldn't disagree with, with advice that was given, you know, if it was given and you wanted to be a good member, standing member of the church, uh, especially if the advice was coming from the evangelist or it was coming from an elder or someone who was respected in your church community, you, you just didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't go against it. You know, if you wanted to stay as a you know productive member of the community. Um, so I didn't go, but what I did start doing, and again, this is before the podcasts were, were like a thing. You really couldn't find like a lot of good stuff, but, but what I ended up doing is I ended up actually reading my Bible. And what I would do is I would, I would just read it cover to cover. Um, so, you know, I really went into it and I started reading this stuff carefully and, and things just didn't match up. They didn't, things didn't, didn't work anymore for me. Uh, I didn't really understand where my church tradition was getting many of these things. You know, they were, especially when, especially when I got to the gospels, and I started reading the, reading the Gospels more closely. It was like, well, 
it seems like this Jesus guy, like the good news about him was, you know, that he was the fulfillment of Israel's story. And, uh, you know, what, what that means, so the, you know, if you look at Genesis 1 through 11, right, there's this huge plot of the whole earth and all the nations, all the tribes under heaven have, have gone astray. And uh, God's plan of bringing everything back together has to do with this guy Abraham and the people of Israel. So the good news of Jesus is that he fulfilled the story of Israel. He did for Israel what Israel couldn't do on its own. And through that, the nations are going to be blessed. And, uh, you know, the, God, God was coming here. Um, didn't really seem like there was a big emphasis on us going anywhere else or, you know, souls being punished forever in eternity. It just it didn't seem didn't seem to be a thing. So it was it was confusing for me and uh, bringing up a lot of these concerns uh, in, in my church setting. Um, it, it didn't really go great. <laughs> you know, uh, it wasn't really received very well. So, you know. I went, I went through a lot of this stuff and, um, you know, I, I did, I got a lot of pushback when I was going through it, um, about, you know, you can't teach that stuff. I was responsible for teaching various groups. I was a volunteer campus minister for a while or whatever they would call it. I, you know, I basically ran a campus ministry. Um, and, um, I was a volunteer youth minister or again, whatever they would call it. I ran a teen ministry uh, here for a while. Um, and, it, you know, some of the stuff that I was wrestling with, some of the things I was thinking, um, it would make people a little nervous, questioning a lot of things. And, you know, sometimes questioning things a little passionately, you know, even, um, you know, fundamental things, not even things with scripture, like what does the church do with money? How does the church govern itself? Like, you know, like just questions like that. You know, like, is the church always looking out for the best interests of its members? Or is it more like a, is it act more like a corporation in terms of looking out for the best interests of itself, right? Um, you know, things that I, I, I would wrestle with and, you know, dealing with different different pains and just traumas, you could call them, or disappointments from the past. And, you know, my, the way I always like to approach dealing with trauma and dealing with pain is, you know, I don't look at it as something, okay, like I need to talk until like I cry or something and then we all sing Kumbaya. Uh, or I need to go and talk to you and we need to, we need to work this out. One of us needs to agree that one of us is wrong. Like I need to agree that I'm wrong or you need to agree that you're wrong. If, if you're in leadership, you're definitely not going to agree that you're wrong. Uh, and then, so basically I need to agree that I'm wrong. And then we need to, to move on from there. Uh, for me, I've always taken the, the approach that I, I, can, I can be hurt by people. I can be in disagreement with people. Um, but we, we can still work together. <laughs> you know, we can still work together. We can still figure it out. Uh, we can still be on the same team. Because I think that's what Christianity in its essence is supposed to be all about. This coming together of these, of these different groups of people that were very, very different. They thought different things. They probably saw different things in the scriptures, um, but they were still considered to be one group, one family, one church. Um, so I didn't necessarily see uh, why we all couldn't get along. So anyway, uh, that's kind of my, my short story in brief. Now I'm in seminary. Uh, 
I'm, I'm doing things like this. We're trying to build a platform where a, we can have more space to kind of have some of these discussions about, you know, what we see and what we don't agree with. And we don't need to rush to get the right answers. Uh, uncertainty can be a beautiful thing. Um, for lack of a better term, I can use the term deconstruction. Um, I know people often in my church tradition, when they talk about deconstruction, like it's a good thing, they quickly run to, okay, but you have to reconstruct at some point. Uh, I'm not sure if you necessarily have to. I'm, I'm enjoying the process of, you know, not necessarily knowing everything and learning to explore my Bible, explore these words, explore church history, and not necessarily have to have a hard line position uh, one way or the other. You know, I've, I've learned to enjoy all this. Um, I hope you do too. Um, it's not saying that I'm not certain about anything. You know, I think broadly speaking, um, the Bible is pretty clear about what it's supposed to be about. It's the story of God and man. It's the story of God in search of man and man in search of God. It's the story of a world that was created to be beautiful, that was created to be wonderful, amazing, and how everything went horribly wrong. And, you know, God could have started over, but he, he didn't uh, because, you know, God loves us so much that a world without us is not something that he's willing to do. And how God has this plan to bring it all, bring the whole thing back together. And there's this long arc of history and the story is not over. <laughs> The story is not over. That that long arc of history that's kind of painted for us in the scriptures, right? The Hebrew scriptures and the New Testament. Um, that that arc is still going, and we have a part in that story. And you know, it just makes me excited. And you know, just as the, the Christians who the disciples of Jesus, the people who followed Jesus, um, that wrote the New Testament, right? Second Testament. Or Second Temple Jewish writings, like you know, as, as many people like to call them, uh, they they didn't necessarily know everything either. They were they were caught up in a story, and, and they were part of a story that they didn't necessarily know how that was going to end either. You know, they didn't necessarily know all the pieces as well, but they they did know that Jesus's death, life, death, and resurrection had changed something fundamental about the way the world works. They knew that God's story was about bringing the world back together, about forgiveness, about reconciliation, about undoing, about recreating. Uh, and, you know, it was they were excited to be a part of that story. And I, I am too. And I hope you will as well uh, in our time together. So that's kind of, I think, all we're really going to be doing today. Um, we kind of made it through the table of contents. We see we have some additional studies here. Kingdom, prepared to answer. Uh, so that's just kind of, you know, if, if, you, if you run into somebody who believes in praying Jesus into your heart, how do you, how do you correct them, you know? Or basically, here's your scripture list of uh, fighting what the church would consider to be false doctrine. Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit do? Uh, restoration. So if someone's left, so, you know, I mean, I've, I've technically left. Uh, so if I ever wanted to officially come back, they would probably want to do some restoration story with me. But, you know, I, st I still feel like I am, I am part of the International Church of Christ. I still feel like I'm part of the Stone Camel movement. I'm just not necessarily worshiping uh, with 
the church community that's that's in my it's in my region. You know, we haven't really been meeting anyway. Uh, I've, I've been meeting more informally with a group of believers, uh, either in my house or other people's homes. Um, you know, kind of still unified in spirit, unified in terms of you know I, I still think of them as my family. Anyway, so that is kind of broadly speaking what we're going to be doing, and kind of the plan is. Uh, we're going to be going through, and we'll just we'll look at all these studies. Um, I'll basically say, okay, this would be the point to it. Uh, Jimmy, you know, maybe uh, 10, 15 years ago, this is this is what what he would have said. Try and get person to move them through the studies, get them to be a member, convert them, or you know, at the time, I really felt like, okay, I'm I'm helping somebody get their get their sins forgiven and escape hell. I don't want anyone to go to hell for all eternity if it's preventable. I want them to, to go to heaven. Um, you know, that. anyway, I would go through, I'm going to go through it. I'm going to list, this, this, is, this is what it is. A lot of it is going to be just kind of reading out of it. And then I'm going to try and give us a broader view. Like, okay, actually, if we go there, what, what's really going on in the broader context that this scripture is being plucked out of, and, and who knows? Maybe, maybe sometimes, like, be like, all right, I, I can totally see that, you know. And, and other times, um, I think we're going to see that the danger of using a scripture versus theology, or or a systematic theology uh, that is so entrenched that it we can we can confuse our systematic theology for the biblical theology itself. So basically, systematic theology is we're trying to answer questions uh, using the Bible. The Bible doesn't necessarily ask or answer, right? We could say, okay, something like, I don't know, LSD. Should I use LSD? Uh, the scriptures don't talk about LSD. They don't talk about hallucinogenics. Um, there really wasn't an equivalent, to my knowledge, in the biblical world, Um Releases that I can say, and I think some people have done some work that they've suspected that maybe that there are some hallucinogenics mentioned in the Bible, but we can talk about that at a different point. Um, you know, so we're trying to answer questions maybe on the the ethics of war. Um, when is it okay to serve in the armed forces? Uh, when is it okay? Like, how, how should we structure marriage? What what should marriage be like? Um, how should I, how should I date? You know, there was no dating in the, in the biblical world. You're, this was a meeting of families. Families would meet and they would, they would basically say, you can marry, uh, I'd like, I'd like to offer your daughter to one of my sons, I'd like to offer your son to one of my daughters, or, you know, couples would, would, would meet and get their families on board. This, it, there was no equivalent to dating, like the way dating is done today in this world. So you take the Bible and you, you use it to try and answer questions that's not in the Bible. Uh, they're not the questions the Bible is concerning itself with. Um, so you're using that. But so the danger there, not necessarily saying anything's wrong with that, although I'm not a huge fan of systematic theology currently. I think Bibli I kind of landing on the side of the equation that I, I think the questions the Bible is trying to answer and that, you know, trying to ask are, are the ones that will actually speak into any age uh, when you, you learn how to read them and treat them appropriately. Um, but when we take our systematic theology, so 
We're using it to answer questions that the Bible is not necessarily answering or asking. Uh, we can take that and we can confuse that for what the Bible is actually trying to do, and it and it's not. And so it becomes very inflexible. It becomes uh, topics that we can't really talk about, we can't really discuss, we can't really uh, look at it any other way. Uh, and that becomes that's a very very dangerous position to be in um, because historical circumstances change, cultures change. So if you're using, let's say, the Bible to uh, answer questions that it's not asking in and of itself, right, as the world changes around you, you can find yourself stuck. You can find yourself stuck in a tradition, a tradition that doesn't necessarily make sense anymore for the world that you live in. And then you're being different. You're being countercultural, uh, not in a way that I think is true to the spirit of the Bible, but you're doing it in a way that, you know, it. On the one hand, it, it, it can be it could be obnoxious, and the other hand, it's drawing a line in the sand that doesn't no no one's asking you to draw that right. No one's asking you to to do to live that way or to to live your life in a certain way. Um, but you know, you use your systematic theology. You don't even think about it as systematic theology. You think of it as like this is this is the word of God, uh, and it becomes one of those entrenched concepts or things that you, there's no flexibility there's no we we can't we can't re-examine this in a different light whereas biblical theology uh is more of like okay broadly speaking you know we can see that the bible is trying to answer and ask certain questions it doesn't always give you the answers that you expect or that you would re even really recognize uh, and sometimes it's not giving you any answers at all. It's kind of just pointing out the question to you. Uh, and it's kind of leading you to go on a journey of your own. Um, but, you know, the Bible is definitely has a narrative arc. It, it definitely has been put together well that it tells, I believe, one cohesive story. Uh, even even the two testaments or just the Hebrew Tanakh and um, the New Testament, the New Testament writings, like they, they've been put together very, very well uh, in many ways. In some ways, not so much. Like the, you know, the Jewish ordering, I believe, is much better than the Christian or Catholic ordering of the Old Testament Hebrew scriptures. Uh, the Tanakh ordering that I, I referenced before, I, I don't think we'll get into it in, in this discussion, but I've talked about it extensively elsewhere. Um, it's something to, to think about, you know, like this can become very, very dangerous. Um, and we have to learn to question. We have to learn to take the Bible seriously on its own terms and learn that, you know, in terms of our systematic theology, although it may be useful for a season, every now and then, now, I would say like maybe every decade or so, the very least every hundred years. Come on, people. You got to take it out. You got to look at it. You got to dust it off. You got to unpack it, right? N.T. Wright, you know, one of the awesomest books I've ever, I've ever read. I was going to say ever written. I wish I read, wrote this book, Scripture and the Authority of God. Um, he talks about a lot of our, our terms, a lot of our systematic theology, like pack suitcases, 
Like we have a suitcase labeled salvation. We have a suitcase labeled repentance. We have a suitcase labeled uh, kingdom of God. And every now and then we got to, we got to unpack these suitcases and we got to look at all the things that are in it. We got to dust them off. We got to say, okay, does this still make sense? You know? Um, and, you know, I think even the Bible, you know, the Bible speaks into every age, challenges every age, uh, every generation. And uh, we have to learn to listen to it. So we're going to do that. We're going to go through it. I'm going to be re- I'm going to read uh, basically a lot of these. This is what it's, I'm going to read it to you. We'll, put it, we'll throw it up on the screen so you guys can all see it. And then, you know, we're going to go through the whole thing together and we'll look at this broader, wider context. And uh, yeah, well, hopefully by the end of it, maybe maybe even we'll give some stuff that, you know, okay, well, this they've arranged this this way, but I think maybe a bigger story the Bible is trying to tell here might be this, you know, and kind of kind of spell it out, give us some things to think about, and then um, hopefully we'll be able to have some roundtable discussions. I want to you know get people on these roundtables. I want to get former members of the ICOC who still consider themselves Christians uh, and still read their Bibles, you know, still trying to figure all that stuff out. And I want to get people who, you know, are still in the ICOC and they're like, no, we're we're happy with this. Uh, We agree with this. Uh, Or maybe they don't, maybe they think they do. We'll we'll see, you know, where these discussions go, but I want to, I want to do these round tables. I want to get people together and I want to have some real discussions. You know, I think too often, uh, when we get a group of people together, um, we're entirely too polite. And uh, I don't mean, I don't want people to be disrespectful. Uh, I, I don't want people to be insulting, but I, I think there's a way, there has to be a way, right? Because we're a family and families sometimes have to talk about deep things where people don't agree with each other. There has to be a way that we can get together and that we can really talk about the things that we don't agree with. You know, you know, if we get to something, we're like, you know, I don't know about that, you know, or I've been learning that there's maybe a deeper context. There's something deeper that we, we could be looking at here. Uh, I, I think that's, that's a good thing to say, you know, not just nodding our heads and being polite, you know, um, sometimes we're focusing on these minor things and we're missing, we're missing What's the most important thing? And if I have any goal with this little exercise, this little experiment that I'm doing, is that I want us to see that there's something deeper going on here than just who's in the club or who's out of the club, who's going to heaven, who's going to hell. I want to see, I want us to see there's something deeper going on here. And I want to, I want us to do this together by looking at some of these things that we all say that we believe, right? So if you're a member of, of the ICOC, um, the, broadly speaking, these are the things that you believe. Um, back in the day when I was when I was coming into this church tradition, we really only had one one study one one set of studies that we went through. Uh, but since 2003, um, you know. Various churches have kind of gotten together and they've kind of come up with their own study series, right? Because uh, the church doesn't have any centralized leadership anymore. We used to be an international organization with, you know, very strong leadership. 
now we're kind of like these little kingdoms. Um, but there is something you can get it online. I believe you can get it online for free. I don't think I paid anything for this. Called First Principles. And if you hit that, there's all types of studies from all across the movement. Let me uh, let me get it up for you here. Yeah, so they have they used to have like a little in like a library form. But it's all different studies. There's one from Hampton Roads. There's one from Colorado, I believe. There's one from Chicago. All of these where the major church centers are. There's one from San Diego. Uh, and there's even one from there's one from Boston where the whole uh, movement that I was a part of began. They called it the Boston Movement at one time. Um, they even have the original studies here from 1993, the studies that I went through. You know, um, obviously the ones that I went through were a little different, um, you know, because every, every region kind of had its own flavor of how they did things. But the core scriptures were always the same, and the core points were always the same. And the same questions and moments of decision that you were reading someone through was always the same. So we're going to be going through that. We're going to be trying to pull it apart, look at it, look at its broader context, and have some great talks and discussions about it. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. <clears throat> I will see you guys in the next episode. This is kind of cool. I'm like at least I'm looking at myself. Yeah, I don't too bad to look at. Hey, yeah, yeah, you're doing handsome. <laughs> Am I gonna get kicked out? Oh, you need the mic? I have to go give the wife back. The wife back. The mic back to the wife.